On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am Michael Braithwaite, one of your hosts from Blue Door. And as always, I am joined by our captain of communications, Stefania from CAEH. Steph, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Honestly, I think I just keep coming back every week just to hear what title you give me that week because it's always feel good. So I just really <laughs> appreciate you. Thank you for that. How are you doing? Good, good. Listen, it's uh, it's well deserved. We know you're working hard in this uh, ongoing challenge to end homelessness, and you're you're doing great work. Uh, as is my wonderful team at Blue Door right now. They're uh, they're working hard. It's become more and more of a challenge. I heard from my team recently that just to rent a room in York Region, uh, prices and costs have gone up to a thousand dollars per month for a room with a shared kitchen and washroom. And to put it in perspective, uh, many people uh, need assistance for the province and that tops out at about $720. So they're already at a deficit before buying food, transportation, all those different things. So we have a huge challenge uh, in front of us. The good news is that when the team tells me that they're not, they're, they're not saying that and throwing their arms up. They're saying, we've got to think differently. We got to be different um, and, and be innovative. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I think the the work that you folks do at Blue Door and the folks you have on the team are just incredible. And you know, it's it's interesting because uh, these conversations are happening at the CH as well with uh, my colleagues who live in Ontario. And I feel like the conversations I was having five, six, seven years ago out here in BC and Vancouver and the Lower Mainland about you know cost of living, the the rent increases. Uh, it's it's interesting to hear that happening, and and honestly, it's a little bit frightening because we certainly haven't figured out the solutions out here. It's only gotten worse as far as far as affordability goes. You know, a friend was telling me in Mississauga, housing in the last year or so has gone up thirty pre thirty three percent. You know, and and so a house that was going for you know maybe five or six hundred grand is now all the way at eight hundred grand and. In the Lower Mainland, you can't even buy a house for eight hundred grand, and it's getting to a point where even a two-bedroom uh, is is beyond that price uh, point as well. So, yeah, this is why we do this podcast, and I also think this is why we have um, a really great guest for today. So, why don't you introduce them for us? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about innovation solutions, the solutions now. So, uh, happy to introduce our guest today. With us, we have Ed McNabb, who's the CEO of 
3D PHC, which is 3D Printed Homes Corporation. Uh, Ed wrote this bio, and it's you know a lot of bios are very uh, very stiff a little bit, right? They're just an Ed wrote this, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, he says he should have retired a couple of years ago, but before he could, he got himself tangled up with a couple of guys that thought that construction 3D printing could be one solution to the affordable housing crisis in Canada and around the world. He brings a broad base of experience in construction and the oil patch, electronics and IT, and various startups, including a tech venture that grew to a market cap of over $600 million. He finished his regular career as international project manager for a U.S.-based managed IT services company, and he's now evolved into an advocate for construction 3D printing on the international stage. Affordable housing and housing affordability may be the keystone issue of this generation, and Ed intends to make a difference. See, told you that was an awesome bio. Ed, welcome to the show. Oh, very, very happy to be here. I thank you for the soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're super interested, you know, to hear from you. And, you know, our first question is something that we ask all of our guests now when when starting the podcast. And that question is, what does home mean to you? That's such an interesting lead question. And I say that because I have been puzzling over this for months now. It should be easy to answer. Prior to World War II, a house was a place where you settled down and raised a family. It was often passed down through generations and only sold under exceptional circumstances. It was home. During the post-war economic expansion, somehow housing got converted from the family home into an extractive investment. A house. Houses now change hands on average every four years, and a profit is taken at each transaction. So I don't know how to break this cycle, but until we do, home will not be the same. It will remain a temporary accommodation without deep roots that come with the old version of home. Have we built a generation of homeless house surfing from investment to investment? I think we may have, and until we can reduce the cost of housing to the point where people can and want to stay in one place, home will never be the same. Very interesting, Ed, and very, very true. The financialization of housing is is huge, right, as a, a commodity. Now, Ed, as we were talking about early, earlier, Steph and I, about the, you know, that Many of us now, more than ever, are aware of the lack of affordable housing. This past election, uh, we saw was on the minds of many Canadians, and I like to think that also is because groups like the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness and others across the country really push that agenda. What, why do you think affordable housing is top of mind for so many? Well, I agree with you, Michael. Enormous credit has to go to CHRA, CAEH, their partners, and the Vote Housing Campaign leading into the federal election. This was a national campaign that forced candidates to take a stand and really made housing affordability the only option to support. If if you didn't do that, you were immediately a bad guy and your chances of getting elected just plummeted. So if I may, I'd like to clarify two terms that have already been used and will likely come up again because the, the difference is really important. Affordable housing, to those of us in the sector, is understood to be housing for which some portion of the monthly expense is subsidized 
by a government or a community organization. That's not the same as housing affordability, which relates to the ever-increasing price of accommodation in the open market, uh, whether that be owned or rental space. So the two terms uh, by those outside the community, those two terms are used interchangeably, and I will never do that. I, I, will always, I will always pick the term I mean as we go through this. Okay, and it's thank you for that clarification. I noticed that in, in your bio, you had kind of set those two things uh, aside. Um, we know that there are many solutions um, to, uh, to ending homelessness, um, but let's talk about some of the reasons for the lack of affordable housing. And then I want to know what you think some of the solutions are. Well, sounds like a fair and reasonable place to go. So I've already addressed the, the conversion of housing from homes to investments. That's incredibly serious, but I don't think I'll live long enough to, to see that change. Uh, that's, a, that's a cultural shift, and those are deep-rooted and very difficult to change. So, so what can we change? In addition to the, the dramatic price swings for raw materials needed to build a house, both Canada and the U.S. are facing severe labor shortages in the construction trades. Journeyman trades people are aging out, and young people are not being drawn into construction as a career. The construction industry is among the last to take advantage of automation, and that's caused a productivity lag compared to progress made in almost every other industry. New rules regarding HR, safety, environmental impact, result in construction workers working as hard as ever, but actually producing a little bit less per hour than they did in the 1970s. So if we're going to fix this mess, we need innovation from every corner of the industry. The 3D PHC has chosen to use robotics and advanced materials to print the vertical shells of homes literally in a day or two rather than seven to ten weeks. Our robotic mason will get houses to the closed-in stage much, much quicker and much cheaper and will use the robot to fill an existing labor gap. We're not taking jobs away from anyone. We're, we're, we're allowing people to work on the inside of the house where it's more comfortable. We'll do what we can, but the need for more housing units is, is so great that our little company, even if it were to explode on the scene, wouldn't be able to fill the need. We need more. So how do we get that? Across this great country, we're seeing new ventures making efficient modular homes, factory built and delivered to the site. Some are even flat packed like IKEA furniture, and they get placed on site and fold up and boom, there's your house. We have companies converting sea cans into small homes. There are national and local movements to allow truly tiny homes that can be towed behind a pickup truck and placed in upscale trailer parks, if you want to, to use the phrase, although there's a, a negative connotation to the, to the term trailer park. Canada needs all of this and more if we're going to meet the federal government's target of housing all Canadians. We'll do what we can, but we will support everyone who wants to jump in on and, and help.
Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Right. And, you know, while there's obviously lots of work still to be done, as, as you note, um, there has been some progress uh, from all levels of government, particularly when the three levels align uh, on, on the direction needed to be taken. Can you share your thoughts on some of this work, some of the progress that has been made? Well, first off, kudos to you and, and CAEH and, and what you are doing as a, as a national organization. So my opinion might be unpopular with some, but I think the federal government has done a pretty good job of designing programs and making money available for housing. Billions of dollars, rapid housing initiative, national housing strategy. This is all good stuff, and it puts the resources on the table available for companies like us and and um, local local support organizations to access now we need to see municipalities get off their nimby behinds and get with the program uh, to be fair as you know we're we're seeing some positive movement on this front as well municipalities across the country are embarking on red tape reduction programs making it easier to build backyard suites, granny shacks, affordable housing, tiny home villages. This is all good, and we just need organizations like yours and the smaller devolved local organizations to keep the pressure on these bureaucrats to, uh, to do their jobs. Right, yeah, that's, that's definitely, you know, something we're working on as well is trying to get, uh, you know, from province to province and, and all the territories to have all those levels of government, you know, working together, agreeing on the same models. And that, that takes a lot of time and effort for sure. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you might agree that in order to create new affordable housing, as you mentioned, of course, that there's going to have to be innovation and thinking a little bit differently and, and perhaps even outside the box. Uh, with that in mind, can you tell us a bit more about your organization, um, you know, what it is and what role you think it can play? Uh, to be to be fair and, and upfront, we are a startup. As of today, we have built exactly zero homes. Right? Um, that's okay. There's a, a fairly large degree of pressure building up behind us with local organizations and, and some international who want to engage as soon as we are ready to drop the hammer and, and get on with it. So we're not only building our business, we're also becoming more and more vocal over the need for industry-wide co cooperation and collaboration. I don't want the players in this space to see each other as competitors for market share. I want us to be direct and fierce competitors against homelessness. 3DPHC will build as many homes as possible and we'll take a cheerleader position for everyone with the same goals, no matter how they work to get there. Well, that's that's great to hear, because <laughs> we definitely need, you know, more and more folks who 
who believe that ending homelessness is impossible and are ready to do the work to make it happen. So, you know, what is next uh, for 3DPHC and where can people go to find out more information uh, about you? This is this is the fun bit. By the time this episode airs, we will have launched a national early adopters program where people can pay a small deposit and have us begin design work on their very own 3D printed home or backyard suite or whatever the case may be and reserve their space in line when we go live in the spring of 2022. We'll continue to work with municipalities, large and small, to push for tiny home villages and streamlined approvals. We're, we're already engaged with Calgary, where we're based, Edmonton, uh, Nanaimo, Victoria. We're working with smaller communities in uh, Ontario, uh, Perth and Smith Falls and Brockville. Uh, We'll continue to, to speak on these topics on podcasts like yours at every opportunity. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn as 3DPHC. And, of course, our website is full of interesting stuff being upgraded at the moment uh, as we get ready to launch this uh, early adopters program at www.3dphc.ca. Well, and it's very exciting. I mean, when growing up, when I thought about, you know, 3D, and this is going to show my age, I remember going to uh, the movies and you'd have one lens that was green or red, one that was blue. Uh, and it, it wasn't, it, it, you know, you were so excited. It wasn't much of an experience. Things have changed. Just help me wrap, you know, for those like me who might have that experience, 3D printing. How does that, how does that work? You said they design something and they're able to design it um, and, and it, there's huge cost benefits that you could do it quickly. Um, so if you tell me more about that and just also, why would people not want to do that? What's the push? Is there pushback against it? Yeah. So the, the process is, is very similar to something you did as a kid or your kids have done for you approaching Father's Day. Um, kids will take Play-Doh and they'll roll it out into a rope and then they'll coil that rope out up and boom, they've got a coffee cup. So we do the same thing on a much, much grander scale. So we, we specially formulate our concrete so that it's stiff like toothpaste instead of sloppy like you see uh, when people are pouring garage door floors. And then we squeeze it out of a robot-controlled nozzle and we trace the pattern of the house. And then we lift up and we trace that pattern again. And we lift up and we trace that pattern again. And we do that a hundred times until we get a printed house uh, and the, the the concrete is specially formulated to stiffen quickly so it can withstand the weight of the subsequent layers we build the walls uh, double wall with a, a gap in between very much like a piece of corrugated cardboard and then we fill those gaps with insulation and the beauty of the process is if we're going up into the high north for instance instead of making eight inch walls well, we'll just make 14-inch walls or 18-inch walls. The computer doesn't care and the robot doesn't care and it doesn't change the build time. We can do all of those things. The, uh, the robot is perfectly comfortable printing curved walls. Well, I don't know if you've ever tried to build a curved wall out of 2x4s and, and lumber and, and flat sheets of drywall. You'd better have deep pockets if you're going to find somebody to do that for you. Our robot just prints the curved wall. It, it's no big deal. So, cool. so the question 
why wouldn't somebody want it? There is a, in Canada, we, we don't build homes with concrete very much. Uh, we use lumber and we're used to the, the sensation or the feeling of flat walls and, and the, uh, I guess the structural feel of it. The, the house will look different at least in some respects. Or we can make square walls and st or flat walls and square corners if you want. And we can plaster over the interior and make it all smooth and make it look more like a conventional home. But when we do that, we raise the cost. And, and our drive is to keep the cost down. So some people will see it as weird. Uh, and there's, until it becomes a little more mainstream, I, I think we'll have to fight that a little bit. Um, it's new, it's different, um, it's, it's been done, it's, it's being done in Germany and Denmark and Belgium and Spain and the UAE and Mexico and Uruguay and Curaçao uh, and the US and it's just gaining traction. It's still bleeding edge in Canada. Very cool. Well, Ed, you had me at uh, a robot. I'm thinking, but you know, we, we thank you so much for expanding our minds around this. We talk innovation. That's some, you know some of the most innovative work I've, I've heard of. Uh, so cool. I know it's going to blow up, uh, and we'll be uh, watching your group with uh, bated breath, uh, seeing how this this takes off in in 2022. Uh, we appreciate you joining us, and you know what? Hey, we're going to have to follow up. Uh, in a year or so to see how it's going and, and, and go from there. But, however, I should wrap up, or I'm pretty sure my uh, co-host will be asking you to 3, 3D print her a new co-host soon, um, if that's possible. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy, happy to be here. Thank you. Awesome. How cool is that, Steph? How cool is, like, the, like you know, when you think of 3D printing, uh, and I've seen it on a very small scale, um, you know, in little workshops, etc. But to 3D print a house um, and to make, you know, curved walls and be able to make it thicker and be able to change different climates and so cool, eh? Yeah, absolutely. It would, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, its evolution as well. Like, could it make building passive houses more affordable way, way down in the future, perhaps? Or can it really help with, you know, some of the environmental issues that we're having um, to deal with climate change? And I just think, you know, the it seems like it has so much potential. So I am really excited to follow up and see where we're at. And coming from, you know, an immigrant family with a lot of builders, I think it would be so fascinating to see um, how it helps um, the you know the construction industry as well and and yeah just very very interesting absolutely we need to get past the, the kind of stick build that is one way to do it but there's many ways uh, to build a house and we have to investigate those and, and push forward and list uh, many of those innovations uh, so cool to have him on another great guest on on the way home we will see you next time thanks for joining
I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.